This is the Stories of Strength podcast, a collection of inspiring stories told by women from across Rochdale. I'm Happy Zanzaman from UK Education and Faith Foundation, better known as UK, Together with a bunch of brilliant organisations who are working on the ground in Rochdale, we've gathered tales of overcoming adversity from women who come from all walks of life. Before we get started, this episode contains references to migration and bereavement. I'm Millie. I've spoken to Shella, who has generously shared her story about coming to Rochdale from Pakistan, her experiences and the champions who have helped her along the way. So Shella, could you please show us the object that you brought with you today? I brought this with me. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's the thing that really reminds me of back home. Um, the flavour and the taste because we used to have loads of guava trees in our house, around the house and as children we used to climb the trees and pick the guavas and sometimes raw guavas, we used to eat them all the time so this is Rubicon guava Uh drink so that really really reminds me of back home I love that, and I love that drink as well. Kind of reminds me of my childhood, but for a completely different reason. (laughs) So could you tell us more about uh, Pakistan and why you decided to leave to come to the UK? Well, I got married to my husband, and he lived in UK, so that's why I came to UK. I didn't decide to leave Pakistan. I actually wanted to stay there. After I got married, I... And uh, my husband had applied for the visa and everything. I just used to pray, I hope I don't get the visa. (laughs) So I don't have to go and leave everybody behind. Yeah, I can understand that. And so what was the wedding day like? You said you had it over in Pakistan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Wedding day was, it was okay. It was nice. Uh, My sister got married on the same day. It was nice because... We had all of, you know, like my distance cousins and everybody. We've got a big house. So everybody had come the day before and they were staying there in our house. It was funny, on the wedding day, early, very early in the morning, we were playing cricket oh, <laughs> with wow. all the cousins. <laughs> it, it was really nice to have everybody there, yeah. But I think I was too young. I didn't understand what marriage was, what yeah. wedding was, so I... I was just enjoying the atmosphere and everybody being there, basically. And how old were you? Um, I was 17, 18, around that age. I think mentally, I think I was even younger. Mm. (laughs) I had older sisters. Um, One of them got married after me. One of them got married same time as me. So I was more like a, you know, like a baby, but... Yeah. You know, I felt like because I had older sisters, they used to take most of the responsibilities and stuff and we were in the same house. So I wasn't as grown up, you know, like mentally as maybe I would have been if I didn't have older sisters there. So maybe that's why I think I was more. <laughs> yeah, because you rely, you rely on them, don't you? Just yeah. out of like instinct. Yeah, yeah. So had you met your husband before that day? I'd seen him, but I've not talked to him or anything. What was that like? <laughs> it was 
My husband was really nice. He understood that we had not seen and then I was really nervous. So he just started to ask me questions about my school because I'd just finished school and stuff. So he was asking me, what, what are you doing and this and that. So it sort of broke the ice, but I would have just sat there and not said anything. <laughs> yeah, that's understandable. So when you left, Pakistan, was there anything that you brought with you as a keepsake? Well, I bought loads of things with me, to be honest, from mm. Pakistan. Even now, if I go to Pakistan, I think I buy a lot of things just for the sake of, oh, this is from here, this will remind me of home, I think. But I think I've got pictures of my friends, which, you know, like my last year of school. Those I really hang on to all the time. I've only seen one of my friends once uh, since then. Um, I went to Pakistan. It was over nearly 30 years, just under 30 years. And um, I've not really seen any of them. And that's, you know, I feel a bit sad. I tried to find them on Facebook and stuff. <laughs> Obviously, either their names have changed or, you know, they got married or whatever. I've not been able to find anybody, to be honest. So that's a bit sad. But other than that... Mm. Um, I think that's that's the only thing I've really held on to since I've come from Pakistan. Yeah, the people. It's always about the people, isn't it? Yeah. So can you tell us what it was like when you first arrived into Rochdale? My husband and uh, his dad and his sister-in-law went to pick me up from the airport and uh, as I came out I found it very cold and wet and you know, green, there's very, a lot of greenery everywhere. Um, In Pakistan, you don't see that much, it's more hotter weather, and even the green stuff doesn't look as green as it does here. So uh, that was something that um, really, you know, thinking out for me. But for a few years, I would say, in Rochdale, I, I, w- I used to find it very cold. And used to say, why can't we go to somewhere warm? Why can't we live somewhere warm? <laughs> but I think got used to it now. It's not, it's just, even now, um, you know, when it's winter, um, I can't wait for March, April time when the weather starts changing. I find it very hard when it's winter time this time. Uh, yeah. It, if it lingers on, the cold lingers on for longer, uh, I sometimes feel very depressed and it just gets to me. But as the weather changes, all of a sudden my mood changes mm. completely. So. <laughs> so did that take quite a long time to get used to when you first got here? It did take me a few years. But I think first, when I didn't have any children and stuff, I found it harder. But as um, I had children and stuff and I was more busy with my children and everything, so I guess you don't think of it as much. as Now the children are growing up, then again it's sort of getting to that thing. It comes more in your mind. Um, I've got two part-time jobs, so trying to keep myself busy, so I don't really think about these things that much. When I actually got here, um, I didn't used to like going out. My uh, husband and my father-in-law and mother-in-law, they tried to, you know, you need to do this, you need to do that. But I used to like to stay at home, not go anywhere. Even in Pakistan at home, we didn't go out that much. Um, So here it's different, cultural different as well. I think I felt like an outsider, basically, because I... 
my language wasn't very good. I could speak English, but I used to speak it a lot slower than I am now. And my accent was different. And um, I had a little brother-in-law who was um, about 12, 13 at the time. And uh, every time I spoke English, or even if I was speaking our own language and I said a word of English, and he used to start laughing. I used to make fun of it. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) I know, but he was only a child. He didn't understand that. But but because of that, it made me more conscious of it. Mm. Um, So I used to think if I'm going to go out and if I start speaking, uh, maybe everybody will think like him um, that, you know, I'm not saying it right. The way I'm saying it is wrong or maybe people won't understand what I'm saying. Mm. But I think... That was only him. The, I had other people in ha- in the house who were like more supportive and were saying, "Okay, you you can talk speak in English." My brother-in-law had uh, two daughters. They used to say to me, "We really like your accent. It doesn't sound like Pakistani accent. It sounds like American." I learned my English from American TV because we used to watch a lot of American programs in Pakistan. Well, so did I probably. <laughs> I think speaking to them gave me more confidence as well. And they didn't use to make fun of me, so that helped. Yeah, that does help. So my father-in-law used to take me out. Uh, just if he goes shopping to get something, he'd say, OK, you're coming with me. Try to, you know, just get me Drive out of the house. Out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so he was really good like that. And um, next door to our house, we had this training centre for young girls. Uh, which was, you know, a lot of school leavers before they went to college or even if they didn't go to college, uh, there was a, to train them in business admin and stuff. And so he said to me, this is right next to your doorstep. Why are you not taking advantage of it? Why do you not go there? And then he got me involved there. And I think okay. that's how I started going, got a bit more confident to go out. And so I did... Uh, business administration level two I think I did and then I had to go to Pakistan because my dad passed away Uh, well he was ill when I went away he passed away while I was there that was very emotional bit of my life and I still get emotional over it Mm. Uh, oh no take a minute (laughs) (laughs) do you like a tissue we brought some actually let me grab them from the um I'll be back in a minute when I went back, when he was ill, and we, it wasn't just me, all of our brothers and sisters, we went uh, because he was really ill. And uh, I think why I get more upset is because I didn't see him like I could have done. I used to get upset every time I was there and didn't want him to see me upset. And then he passed away. This is the Stories of Strength podcast, a collection of inspiring stories told by women from across Rochdale. Do you think that you would have gone to the centres on your own if it weren't for your baba? I don't think I would have because, I don't know, my husband wasn't living there at that time. He He was doing his master's in Nottingham, so he used to come every weekend, but... Maybe my husband would have pushed me if he was there, but he wasn't there, so I think my mother-in-law wouldn't have done it, so it had to be 
him, um, I think, because all the time he said to me, anything you learn will help you in life. Mm -hmm. So uh, it doesn't matter what you're learning, the things you learn will later on will help you um, in different ways. It doesn't matter if you don't get a job in that, but it's still learning is important. So I think that's how it started. And then after the centre, I used to go, when my kids went to school, they went to Spotland school, and in Spotland school we used to have classes for parents for different things. The person who used to organise it, she was called Shemshad Ash. She really, really helped me as well. Um, she got me involved in different things, different projects they were doing. Uh, she was working with partnership education, so we did family literacy, English. I think Spice Up Your Life was about getting more confident. And these kind of courses, they really, really helped me. And because some of them, we with family literacy, we used to get our children involved as well. So that, it did really help me. And she, we had the library there for parents in the school. So I helped set it up. And we used to help, you know, like lending books out and all that. So I think she was another big part that she really, really helped me grow in loads of different ways. So did that make you feel more at home? Did that make you feel like you had like some ownership over where you lived? Yeah, it did. I think, as I said, keeping busy and then having things to do and then that helped and then then I knew what I was doing as well. I wasn't feeling like an outsider because, you know, like when you sit on the side and just watch other people doing things and you think, I don't belong here, I don't want to do these things. But this way I was involved, I was actually doing things myself, so I guess I felt like a part of it. Because the library I was talking about, there was nothing there and from the start I was involved and the way it was going, it... You know, like it made me feel proud of. But you helped shape yeah, that. I yeah, I helped do this. We helped with all this, uh, built it up and everything, and then, so that really, really helped me. Yeah. So, do you often get to go back to Pakistan? Well, when I came, I went after two years, and then I think for, for a while, I used to go every two to three years, and. Um, I think then for 10 years I couldn't go and I think when I couldn't go I was getting really upset all the time over little things and um, <laughs> my son, uh, the older son, he's 24 now. This was about five years ago, he was 19 or 20 about around the time and uh, he said to me, you need to go to Pakistan because you're missing your mom and I'd seen my mom because my mom came to visit a few times but I hadn't seen my sisters for over 10 years and um, he kept saying you need to go and I was like I can't afford to go because I had twins they were about eight nine years old I think and um, I couldn't leave them and go and I couldn't afford to take everybody with me and so what he did was he booked me a ticket online with his own money which he didn't have a lot of. <laughs> and he booked the ticket and I didn't have a overseas Pakistanis card. I needed that or a visa. And uh, 
I'd applied for it, but he hadn't come yet, and I didn't know. He booked the ticket on Wednesday, and the Monday after I was supposed to go, I was like, wife, the car doesn't come, and I don't have a visa. And he goes, well, I don't care, but you, <laughs> I've done what I wanted to do, now it's your problem. <laughs> but I was really lucky that on that Monday I was supposed to go. I think I was supposed to go in the afternoon, and the card came in the morning, and it was just in time, and I did go, and... I felt so much better. Um, my husband was really good as well. He said he'd be fine, he'd look after the kids and you just go, he's booked your ticket now, just go. So it really helped me mentally, like calm me down, seeing my sister, seeing my mom and seeing the place I grew up, everything he did. So after that, I think I went again after two years mm-hmm. and it's been about nearly three years now (laughs) so almost time (laughs) almost time to go back (laughs) and what a lovely gesture from your son he's like that he's really caring and that's what I really like about him I don't like about him as well he's he's like me (laughs) and it's weird I know uh, people like the way um, if their children are like them but I think that's why I don't like about him because he's like me. I don't know why. <laughs> he he says, "Mom, you're weird." <laughs> this is a tricky question, but how would you describe yourself? Do you think? I would say. Uh, <laughs> I think it's. Um, or how would your friends describe you? I find it easier. My friends, they probably describe me very outspoken. Uh, don't keep anything in. If I have something to say about something, I would say it. And I would say it to the person's face who I need to say it to. Because I think it's important if you want to say something to somebody who it's, it's about, they need to know, not everybody else in the world. So that's, I think, they think I'm very uh, strong in the things I believe in as well. I would stick to the things I think right and wrong. If I think this is right and it should be like that, and if I think something wrong, I would go to any length to tell somebody that what you're doing is wrong, even though it might not make a difference to them, but at least I've done my bit and told them. Then after that, it's up to them what they do. So I think that's it. And very talkative and um, <laughs> and I laugh a lot. <laughs> the best that's therapy. Another, that's another thing, yeah. And I cry a lot as well. Um, I also c- good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I feel that really helps me because uh, once I cry, uh, the tears go out and I feel all the steam's gone out so, with the tears. So I've, I feel a lot better after that. So that's... I think that's me. (laughs) So having been through this amazing journey and travelling over as a child, really, what advice do you think that you would give to someone who does a similar journey around the same age? I think the advice I would give would be to stick with it and really go out there and try and find out what they can do, Not, not what I was trying to do and stay at home. I know I had my Baba to tell me uh, and help me, push me to do this, but not everybody's lucky enough like me. But uh, if they would 
try and find out what's available around them and try and take advantage of that. I think there's a lot of things going on, especially in this country, to help people to evolve and uh, to get better of themselves, I would say. And they should really, really do that because it has really, really helped me. And as a person, uh, personal development, I think it has, you know, going out there, going to these classes, they might feel like nothing to begin with. You might feel like, oh, this is just silly. I know English. Why do I need to go to English class? But the thing is, it helps you to go out and see other people, to speak to other people, to you know, get in contact with different people and you more kind of people you meet, more you learn about people as well. It's not just about yourself. There's so much diversity in this country that you really need to <laughs> learn about different cultures and how everything works. I think that's the way you can do it if you go out and you see other people and you speak to other people and see how other people live and how they cope with things and it helps you cope with things as well. I've been living in this country for almost 30 years and it does feel like home. It took me a while, but it definitely feels like home now. Thanks for listening to this Stories of Strength episode. If you've been affected by the issues raised in the show notes, you will find some support information. Now it's over to you. How did this story of strength make you feel? Have you had a similar experience? If so, we'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch with us on social media. We're on Twitter and Facebook. Search We Act Together. Don't forget to use the hashtag Stories of Strength. Or for a less public response, you can email us info at actiontogether.org.uk. These stories are made for listening and to inspire. If there's someone you feel who needs to hear it, please share it with them. We want people across the globe to be empowered by the women of Rochdale. You can also help amplify these stories by leaving us a rating and a review on your podcast app, especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. A huge thank you to the women who shared their stories with us. We can't express how grateful we are that you've trusted us to tell your story. A massive thanks to the organisations who've opened their doors and allowed us to speak to the women they work with. For this series, this includes Deeplish Community Centre, Darnhill Library and Touchstones. Stories of Strength is commissioned by Action Together. It's made with partners from across Rochdale, including Cartwheel Arts, Soul Sisters, UKEF, Rochdale Mind, Rochdale Women's Welfare Association, Rochdale Connection Trust and Rochdale Health Alliance. Thank you for taking your time to contribute. We really appreciate it. The partners receive podcast training delivered by Mike Media and the series producer is Daniel Porter. <laughs>